and you're listening to Dream Infringement. That's right. At Dream Infringement, we like to tell stories and play songs based on a weekly theme. And this week's theme is part two of Dream Infringement, the early years. Hey there, Emily here. And to start off my second part of my interview with my parents, I wanted to play a song. A little backstory on this is that on weekend mornings, my dad would usually be up before the rest of the family and he would be playing his favorite CDs. In my memory, it's either like Al Stewart's Year of the Cat or something by Roger Whitaker that those are like the ones that come up the most in my memory. Um, so he would be like making French toast and, and listening to music. Um, so the song I chose to play is called Mon Ple Bleu. Ugh, that's probably terrible French. But anyway, it's by Roger Whitaker. And this song fills me with the kind of nostalgia that I usually try to avoid. But I, I just... I do really love this song, so I hope you enjoy it as well. Moi j'ai quitté mon pays bleu. Moi j'ai quitté mon pays bleu. Moi j'ai... Oh, what was my first actual injury that scared you when it happened? You were a pretty careful kid. You didn't get hurt very often. I think the one that scared me the most, I don't know if it was your first, but it was when you were... You were supposed to go on a field trip to the coast with your class. Mm. Was that sixth grade, fifth grade? I it was fifth grade. Fifth grade. <laughs> and we were all ready to go. It was the day before, and you ran into the other room, and I had left a barbell out, and you tripped on it and ended up breaking a bone in your foot. Chipped a bone in your Yeah, chipped a bone in your, yeah, in your foot. Yeah. And it was like, oh, I felt awful. Well, of course, it was very scary because you were uh, really injured, but... Then to realize that because of, you know, my leaving that there, that you couldn't go on your trip. I always felt really bad about that. Yeah, you ended up on crutches, and yeah. that was a, an interesting experience all in itself. You got so annoyed with people that were holding the door for you. I mean, they were just trying to be nice. Because they they'd whack me, like, inadvertently. <laughs> yeah, they knock you over while they're trying to help you. <laughs> yeah. But it was so funny because, you know, the more people tried to help you, you... Yeah, yeah. Just take me alone, <laughs> and it's understandable. And then, then we were talking about this, and your mom reminded me of our fun day in the snow <gasps> when we went cross country skiing, and you oh yeah, I uh, bro- broke you fell arm. and broke your arm, and we were like, and I didn't think it was broken, and it was yeah, so it was awful. Oh, uh, that it hurt really bad. I know, and none of my kids had ever broke a bone, so I had no idea. Yeah. But anyway. You helped us feel like terrible parents. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, we're, we're getting over it. Give us <laughs> 20, 30 years and we'll be good to go. Oh, my. Well, if I can make you feel like a little bit better, I was actually really anxious in a negative way about going on that fifth grade um, oh, trip to the coast. Yeah. And so I was slightly relieved oh. that I didn't have to. I I was sad that I would miss out on, like, like inside jokes and whatever would happen between the kids but the whole like staying overnight yeah. somewhere with all my classmates yeah. just yeah was not appealing to me yeah and so i was actually kind of glad yeah. that i 
didn't have to go. Yeah, and how legitimate, you know, you had a cast and right, yeah. crutches. Oh, I I had well, you had crutches, but yeah, though. Yeah, yeah. No, it was definite. And I remember, I remember you wanted to take me to the mall because I think I was out because that whole fifth grade trip was like a week. Yeah. So it was like I had a week off of school and um, you were like, let's go to the mall and I'll get you a wheelchair. And I, I was like, no, don't get me a wheelchair. And I remember you saying like, Emily, you need to get out of the house. <laughs> I was just like, no. But I think you took me to the movies, which um, I think is where the oh, yeah, that's people were opening the door to the bathroom <laughs> yeah. or something. And yeah. Yeah. You, you did not do well. With the crutches and... I didn't. You did better with a broken arm. Yeah. Yeah, you kind of had fun with that. You had the purple cast and people <laughs> yeah. signing it. And, That's right. Yeah. That was fun. Oh, did I have a movie or show that I watched over and over till you were super sick of hearing it? Or a song or anything? Actually, everything that you enjoyed, I kind of enjoyed watching with mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. Um, you enjoyed Fraggle Rock. And <laughs> uh, what was the one about... Uh, oh, reading, oh, reading Rainbow. Reading Rainbow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I had fun. so much fun watching those things. And I don't watch them now, of yeah. course. <laughs> right. But it was so fun watching them with you. I can't think of anything that was annoying. No, I can't either. Or music or anything. Mm-hmm. I, no. Um, what foods did I hate and love when I was little? When you were really little, most vegetables, well, when you were little, eating mashed up food, vegetables, especially baby jars, stuff. Mm-hmm. Ugh, you hated vegetables. Uh, and as you got older, you really did not like peas. That was not a good thing to feed you. And surprisingly, if I did a mixed vegetable thing, you would pick all the lima beans out and that. eat the lima beans. And nobody likes lima beans. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't eat peas, but you would eat lima beans. I remember being so excited about the lima beans. It was mixed when they were shaped. I don't know. You would eat the rest of the vegetables, but. <laughs> And I still have a hard time with peas, even now. They taste like must, like musty to me. Huh, interesting. Mm. Yeah. But yeah. they're okay in a soup or a... Yeah, in a soup, it's fine. Yeah. And as far as favorites, I can't think of anything that is a huge standout. Uh, just the first time you tasted whipped cream, which was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, you were very young, just maybe three or four months old, probably four months old. And you... You had a bite of your first bite of whipped cream, and it was like heaven had just opened up to you. Your <laughs> eyes just kind of glazed. They're like, what is this wonderful face? <laughs> this, this sensation on my tongue. And anyway, it was really um, fun to watch that. <laughs> That's neat. It was. You enjoyed sour things, though, too. I you still like, like sour you things. Know, lemons and pickles. and Yeah. I feel like I need to say I like fresh peas. I love like fresh mm. peas, but I don't like cooked like peas. Sugar snap. Sugar yeah, peas. I love that. Yeah. Can't get enough, but not the cooked. I don't know what it does. It just, and I realize too that I'm a texture person. I really sometimes I'll crave something based on the texture and not mm. even like the flavor, but it's mm. like the way it mm-hmm. feels in mm. my mouth. <laughs> Strange. Sometimes you'll try. I'll try shelled peas, like shell them mm-hmm. and eat them raw. Yeah, that pri- would, probably would like you'd it. You'd probably like it. Yeah. So the next song I chose because I have a distinct memory of listening to it on the radio, on the oldies station, and having a discussion with my mom about the lyrics. So that song is called Love Potion Number 9, and it's by The Clovers. 
I took my troubles down to Madame Ruth. You know that gypsy with the gold cap tooth. She's got a pad on 34th and Vine, selling little bottles of love potion number nine. All right, our last question. What are some times when tiny <laughs> child me embarrassed you the most in public? Oh, we talked about the mall thing. Yeah. Did I ever do anything else? Um, there was one account I just read that I had written down. Uh, it wasn't really embarrassing. It was just kind of surprising when you were about two years old and the woman, you were in the shopping cart, and the woman is, oh, you know, looking at you. And you like you had a tendency to just not look at people because you didn't really want to engage with people that were strangers. <laughs> but she came and says, how old are you? And you said, I'm not two. I'm 14. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know where that came from. But you were not going to let her know that you were two something. years old. So there. And actually, you were just a little over two, right. so you're two and a half. I but have my life together. Yes, yeah. so leave me alone. <laughs> but you were very deadpan about it, and she was a little surprised. She went on her way. Yeah. Conversation was over. You forgot the question about your book. Oh, I did. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Where was that? That's all right. What were some books that I enjoyed <laughs> growing up? Well, you hated books. No, I'm just kidding. Why did you even bring that up? No. Uh, no, I was just, it really brought back a really pleasant memory because I remember that no, we read to all you kids before bed. And uh, I know your mom read to you a lot, and I did too. But uh, there was one book, and I, can't, I was looking for it. I couldn't find, the, find it. I can't remember the name of it. But it was a story about an abandoned house. And about the creatures that, I hate to use the word creatures, but the, the insects and animals that had moved in and what was going on. And I, I think one of my favorites was it described how the bees in their nest and how they lived in the upper corner of this uh, front room where people used to live. And it was just a, it was a fascinating series of little, like chapters about each of these uh, uh, things that now occupied this abandoned house so mm -hmm. it was kind of like even though something was on the outside it didn't seem to have any life but it was actually teeming with life on the inside it was just a i don't know i just have a really fond memory of that i remember um you guys taking me to the library a lot and that was a really fun thing picking out a book and yeah. then you usually put me to bed dad <laughs> and you'd read a story and that was a really special oh, that's special time yeah, it was nice because I was with you all day, mm -hmm. and that was the time, and your dad would be at work, so obviously you didn't have that daddy time, mm -hmm. and so going to bed at night was your guys' time together yeah. alone, Yeah, and that was, was really fun. special. Yeah, it was special. It was nice. It was do, nice. I do remember, oh, shenanigans, do you remember when I, <laughs> you were putting me to bed, or you, I was getting ready for bed, and I was waiting for you to come in and read, or whatever you're going to do. And I poured a bunch of water on the carpet in front of of the where you would walk in the door, and you stepped in it because I I went through a prank thing, and you stepped in it and got your feet all soggy, and you were just like, why would you do that? Like just very anticlimactic. And you're like, you can't do that because it's the carpeting and underneath it, and it's just not a good idea to dump water. I was like, oh, okay. So, so much for the prank. Yeah. Well, that went well. Uh-huh. 
Yep. You got a lesson, a lesson in carpet. <laughs> right. Yeah. Carpet I was like, lady. oh, that makes sense. We shouldn't dump water on the carpet. <laughs> don't ever try to prank a prankster because they may not get it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Apparently. Oh, all right. Well, thanks, guys. Oh, that sure. was fun. That was fun. Nice, <laughs> nice tripping and stumbling our way through memory lane. Yes. <laughs> so that is my babyhood and small childhood in a nutshell. And listening to the interviews back again while I was editing made me realize just how wonderful my parents are and how wonderful all of the all of my co-hosts' parents are as well. There's just so much love. And I I did shed a tear re-listening to these episodes. So anyway, we were we were very we were loved children, and that's my my takeaway. And now for part two of Jennifer's interview. As a small child or toddler, how did I act around new adults or new kids? Um, you actually were very gregarious. Depending on the situation, sometimes it took you a while to warm up. Uh, you wouldn't run off, but you would just stand there and look at them for a while. <laughs> I was one of those babies that stared. Yes, you were. And, and like make adults nervous. Um, it just until she, you know, I guess you checked them out and, and if you found them acceptable, then, you know, you were, like I say, you were very gregarious, but just sometimes you just kind of wanted to observe them first. So who were like my favorite people when I was little? Well, of course, Grandma, mm -hmm. Grandma yeah. Jane. You distinguish um, actually by the grandfather's name. There was Grandma yeah. Orville and Grandma Eddie. And so Grandma I Eddie. I couldn't handle all like four names. And of course, like, uh, my friend Carol, my best friend yeah. Carol, that we were pregnant together. Her son, Kenan, was, again, one of your favorite people. You, you guys were just five weeks apart. They're and so then, cute. oh, and um, your favorite uncle was, at one point, oh. Uncle Pat. Until, Until, and I remember this, was I two, three? I think you were like two. You were two. pretty little, oh. and he was your favorite. He was holding you. He thought, mistakenly, so it, <laughs> that you would be entertained if he took his teeth out. And when he did that, you just dove out of his arms. Yeah, I've never seen that like reaction. Like you and Marcy kept like stepping back, and I was just like terrified and I was like grasping at anyone to like oh she, get she I don't me. remember her backing up she just you dove into her arms and she took you and that was the end of and, know, and it was lifelong like yeah. our relationship was never repaired after he took his <laughs> false teeth out and scared me as yeah. a two-year-old yeah and then we had another friend Sherry she had five kids and you were real fond of them except for the youngest one Darcy oh. Because, and the reason why was because Darcy yes. was actually younger than you were. And it's so no excuse. She couldn't say Jennifer, so she called you Furfur, which I thought was absolutely adorable. Ugh. But you, oh man. Hated it. You hated it. And I thought it was like an insult. <laughs> like someone was calling me like a dog or something yeah. bad. Yeah. Back to the yeah. favorite people. There was Grandma Pearl. She was so sweet. You were pretty little. And so, and this kind of, it ties in with how you acted around adults. And so she wanted to give you a hug one time. And you told her that you, you just said, I'm not in the mood today. Is what you told Grandma Pearl. But you really like Grandma Pearl. So, so why you weren't in the mood that day, I don't know. But I, that was okay because I always felt very strongly 
about not insisting that you accept or display affection to anyone if you didn't want to. <laughs> oh, that poor, poor little old lady. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just not in the mood today. My mom would sing this one to me all the time when I was growing up. And I've even sang it like at talent shows. It's such a fun song to see and also a little funny because I'm not really a smiling person, but I love this song about smiling. So <laughs> it's the, <laughs> the smile inside my heart that no one sees. This is Mama Cass with When I Just Wear My Smile. I guess I've never been the high fashion kind. Mother Nature gave me a good design. Wherever I go, I know I'll be in style when I just wear my smile. Did I have a favorite toy or like a blanket? You know, you weren't like, I mean, like you, you like to be uh, tucked in with your blankie and there was a wind-up bear and apparently there was even a stuffed elephant, but it wasn't uh, like even my notes, it's like you didn't have to have it, but you were fond of them. Um, but you did have like the shopping cart. That was one of your favorite toys. Oh my word. You would just push that thing around the whole house. Your shopping tart. It's such a useful toy. <laughs> yeah, it's it not was. cuddly. It's not, yeah, can't yeah. take it to bed, but I can move things. Yes, and you did. Yes, you were always just very busy. So, what were some of my favorite childhood stories that you read to me? Well, one was The Muffin Muncher. Yeah. That one was so cute. You love that one. Um, the, my Book of Bible Stories, the story of Jezebel. The, the illustration of, you would just go, wicked queen, Jezebel. I was so excited when they threw her out the window. <laughs> the dogs ate her up. It was just like... When you're a kid, you have a, a like of a like of violence sometimes. That, like... yeah. You, you, you <laughs> like the story of Jonah, too. Okay. Then there was the book Alexander and the Magical Mouse. Which I have still. Yeah, that was very and cute. And then um, you were very fond of Sesame Street, and mm. there was a Sesame Street storybook. And your favorite story in that was The Diamond D and the Dreadful Dragon. Yes. It featured Duke David of Dundeedle and Dora, his darling dimpled daughter. <laughs> That's when the dearest darling daughter she always nickname. Yeah. It's not a bad nickname. It's not a bad nickname, Thank but you. that's where it originated from. So I like a good alliteration to mm -hmm. this day. Oh it was yeah, it was excellent. <laughs> Obviously featuring the letter D. The letter D, yes. Yeah. What was my first actual injury that scared you when it happened? Oh my word. You were I don't even think you were two, and Grandma Jane was, was up visiting, and we walked to the park, and you tripped, and you cut your lip, and uh, so there was blood. Thank goodness Grandma was there, because I almost fainted. I had to sit down and put my head down, and, and Grandma had to attend to, to both of us. Thank goodness that's uh, been pretty much your only injury, for which I am very grateful on several yeah, levels. I wasn't a daredevil child good thing because yeah. <laughs> just a little blood and i was down for the count this is a song that my mom used to sing much to my delight because it sounds so very scandalous except there is a twist ending so this is the naughty lady of shady lane by the mcguire sisters our town was peaceful and quiet before she came on the scene the lady 
has started a riot. Disturbing the suburban routine. The naughty lady from Shady Lane. Did I have a movie or a show or a song that I listened to over and over and over? No, you you know, I mean like you you had you had things you enjoyed watching, like Sesame Street, but there wasn't any like one thing that you played over and over again. You always were like singing to yourself and dancing to the music, and then you always wanted me to sing Tootsie. You loved Tootsie. And one time when you were really little, we went to a restaurant with your grandma Orville, and there was a pianist that was playing. And you went up to him and asked him if he could play Tootsie for you. Oh. It was adorable. And he did. He oh. actually knew how to play Tootsie. And so Tootsie was a song that Grandma Jane used to sing to me when I was little. And so then I sang it to you. And you just loved that song. And so you you did. You walked up. Like I toddled over? Yeah, you were so little. You, and I knew how to ask if he could play this. Yeah, could you play Tootsie for me? And he did. I'm sure he was touched that someone so little... <laughs> Had a request. Had a request, and it was kind of an old classic. And here it is, the song that they used to sing to my grandmother, that my grandmother sang to my mom, that my mom sang to me. This is Tootsie by Al Jolson. That takes me away from you. No words can tell how bad it makes me. What are some times when I embarrassed you the most in public? You you did pretty good. There was just that one time we, where we were at a meeting and you threw up. And oh. I just had to collect you in my skirt and make an exit. But we had been like at the river and you know the bubble gum that's like shredded that looks like oh, chew. Oh, okay. And so I kept like taking little bites of it and then swallowing it. Dad said like you're going to make yourself sick and I was like, "No." And so I kept <laughs> swallowing gum and then when the explosion happened, there was like a lot of little, little pieces shreds. of gum. Farsi. And I, I threw up in the kindergarten classroom on everybody's coats that one what? time oh my word so i was in kindergarten and it was oh. they had this big place where everyone hung up their coats and i threw up all over everybody's coats and they had to like send them all off and get them dry clean <gasps> but i don't think enough people saw me so i wasn't known as like the vomiter <laughs> at oh. school so you weren't there to embarrass that time nope I embarrassed dad one time really bad. We were at a meeting and it was just he and I and I had gas and I farted like so loud, like <laughs> like sonic boom quality loud. And like everyone was like turning around and dad was trying to pretend he didn't know who I was. <laughs> he was mortified. He was much more mortified than I was. <laughs> I'd been wanting to do an episode like this for a while. I've always been fascinated by how we can exhibit traits of our adult personality while we're still an infant, of a very distinct personality that carries on. And the knowledge of who we were as our unselfconscious, childlike state before we could be told to sit still and had to learn our multiplication tables and to eat our vegetables and encountered our first bullies, or our first heartbreak, really reveals so much about kind of our core self. 
It was also an amazing chance to bond with my mom in a way that I don't usually. It was like hearing the voice of my mom in her 20s as a young woman trying to figure out how to raise this infant girl who was just into everything, was terrifyingly definite and stubborn, and how to be consistent and have balance, but also give me freedom to manifest the strengths within those traits. And sometimes I wonder what I would have told my younger self if I could go back in time. But I hadn't thought about it until this episode of what would our younger selves tell us in return. And I think this was the closest answer to that question that I may ever have and finding maybe some resolution in that kind of human struggle of being true to ourselves and feeling good and confident about ourselves. I know my mom perhaps would like to go back in time and have that conversation with my grandma. I encourage everyone who who still can, maybe to have some dialogue with your parents about some of these pivotal moments as you were becoming you. All right, Emily, so I called my parents. You did? Yes, I did. Because the only way for me to talk to them is if I call them. They live all the way in sunny Arizona. Sunny Arizona. That's correct. That sounds nice right about now. I know. So I asked them questions about me when I was a baby. Because that's the theme of our episode. That is correct. And I realized that a lot of their experiences with having a brand new baby, me being the firstborn, I was the very first time they experienced parenthood. And I realized that a lot of their experience with that was wrapped up with them being young parents. They were the original teen parents. (laughs) That's true. Yes. So for those of you who are binge watching Teen Mom on Netflix right now and just can't get enough of it, this is this is for you. This conversation. (laughs) Uh, So they reflect back in a lot of ways on being teenage parents and having a brand new baby and then having another brand new baby and then another brand new baby and another brand new baby where are we at four i think yeah and another brand new baby (laughs) that's five folks that is five children five yeah and so by the time they were in their early 20s they already had five children so I hope that this unique perspective is interesting. I found it interesting, and I think you will as well. So without further ado, here are my parents. So transport yourselves back to early 1988. You have a baby of just a few months. Did I have a pacifier or something like that? (laughs) No, you didn't. No, no pacifier. You just... Um, at that time, you know, I always tell people that I wanted everything natural, but even I didn't understand what natural was. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, when I went into labor, my doctor left us alone and we were like, where's the doctor? Why aren't they here with us? Yeah. We don't understand why we're not getting more attention, but we realized it's because we told them we're having a natural birth. So whatever that meant, 
they knew what it meant. Me and Daddy just didn't know what it meant. <laughs> <laughs> so they said, leave them alone. So everything back then, you could find a lot of natural things. Bottles that were still made of glass. Since I nursed you, there was a lot of information that said, don't pacify the baby when you're nursing. I just didn't do any of those things. Daddy never... Like, that wasn't a conversation. I sat down with Daddy and said, this is what's going to happen. And these are the things we can't do because I'll be nursing. Mm -hmm. I just did all those things on my own. Daddy had no clue how all (laughs) of this was going to work. And he supported it. And I would say, like, we have to go here, but I'll probably have to nurse the baby. So, you know, and I would think in my head, what's our plan when we go to the mall or to the swap, which we did a lot. Well, if I have to nurse the baby, I'm going to take this blanket with me and cover myself or I'm going to no. go to the car. No. Yeah. And so daddy just supported that. And he was a kind of a father that's like, I'm going to put this big blanket over the car. No one's going to see you nursing that baby. So, yeah. so I want to ask daddy, what was your job when it came to the brand new baby? Yeah, I had, I had to implement everything. So even though mama had you, I was the gopher. Bring me this, bring me that, hold this, hold that. Yeah. And anything, so she didn't have to be mobile. So when I before the night before I go to work, I have to line up everything, whatever she needed me to get done. Yeah. So it would make her make her life easier until I got home from work. I would just fill in wherever I could, so she she could do what she needed to do with you. Yeah. And then of course when I come home, she needed a go, uh, break so she could go take care of her her things. So then I was the relief yeah. whenever whenever he had to go do something and and it was a little intimidating for me because i didn't i wasn't the one spending the lion's share of the time with you because mom had you three quarters of the time and to bobby like and a daddy you know he just like i'm gonna make have breakfast for you in the morning so you don't have to worry about making breakfast for yourself he just did different things like scrambled eggs and Mm-hmm. You know, made sure there were eggs on the table when I woke up. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, so we just did things like that. And it wasn't a question. It wasn't after we had Odessa's that then we're like, okay, we're not going to do this again because that was really hard. You know, we're going to make sure we have a little formula just in case I was in the shower or you need it. Because now we've got yeah. two babies here. Yeah. Me and Odessa's are 11 months apart. So... I so I'm I'm 11 months and all of a sudden you guys have a second. So what were like the greatest struggles? The struggles started right away throughout my whole pregnancy. Having a baby uh-huh. and being pregnant was very difficult. I was tired all the time. Yeah. You know, I was I would cry a lot. I would faint a lot. <laughs> yeah. You know, because I just had no energy. I had a lot of medical problems. Yeah. Lost a lot of weight. The doctor was. Really concerned for me the whole pregnancy, yeah. and so that was all difficult going through. But then after I had Odessa's, you know, at that time we were telling people like our baby sleeps with us, and everyone kept saying he needs to sleep in the crib. <laughs> you need to break him out of that. That's not good for him. Yeah. And we tried. We're like, okay, so let's go get this crib. Let's set it up. He's got to be sleeping in it before the baby comes. Yeah. The first night, Bobby, we were like, okay, let's put him in it. It's, you know, he's probably going to cry, but we got to take it. The, oh. the minute you stood up and reached your hand out, like, you, 
crying to us. We're like, get him out. We're not doing this. These people are crazy. They don't know what they're talking about. He cannot be without our love. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> we couldn't do it, and I could never do it. I said, we will just figure it out with the baby, you know. Yeah. Don't worry about it, Bobby. We'll get a bigger bed. We'll put pillows between us and Bobby, and, like, he'll be safe. Yeah. So we don't need to worry about it. <laughs> we made this whole plan up that... That's how we were going to handle this whole situation, but it would always surprise me when I would see your mom doing something, and it was like I didn't see it. I didn't see it on her face. Like, you know, oh my goodness, I have to try to do this. She just did it, yeah. and it helped me because I could fill in where I needed to, do and I followed her direction. Yeah, but I just was always amazed how how what a good spirit she had. She yeah. never felt. I never came home and, and felt like she was overwhelmed or like, like she, you know, it was just too much for her. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't think I got fully overwhelmed until after I had Joey. <laughs> and Daddy came home one day and asked me why dinner wasn't done. I started throwing lettuce at him. I'm like, you want dinner? You're going to get dinner. I was throwing, like, lettuce around the kitchen. I was throwing all kinds of stuff at him. Like, here's your dinner. I got five kids, a toddler, and a newborn. Like, here's your dinner. So the song that I'm going to play is a song that my mom used to sing to me and my brother and sisters before we'd go to bed. It's such a sad song. Like as an adult, I look back on it and I think about how sad it is. But it was like the sweetest lullaby when we were children. And I don't think I quite understood what the song was about until now. But to five-year-old me, it was just a love song. Here is Ray Peterson with Tal Laura, I Love Her. He couldn't get Laura on the phone So to her mother, Tommy said Tell Laura I love her Tell Laura I need her Tell Laura I may be late I've something to do So in the next segment where you hear me talking to my mom and dad, you will hear them reference Nana Alice. That is my grandma on my dad's side, my dad's mom. Is becoming a grandparent different than becoming a parent? It is so different, Bobby. I think it's harder. Yeah. It's so hard. People always say like, you know, when you have children, you wear your heart on the outside of your body, yeah. you know? I said, no, that doesn't happen until you have grandchildren. Because whatever's happening with their parents is, you, it becomes worse. Like, now what's going to happen to our grandchildren? Yeah, yeah. You know, and you know, even dealing with divorces in our family, and it's never a guarantee that you can always be around that grandchild. Yeah. And... There's nights me and daddy cry ourselves to sleep. Like, when are we going to see our grandchildren? I mean, even you and Sunshine, if you guys are busy or even with COVID, because we don't, we can't just go whenever we want. Everyone's very cautious and we should be, but it, it hurts. We miss our grandchildren. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, we miss them so much. And when we're with them, it's so different because now we're 
seen so much of what we must have missed with our own kids because we were in the moment of parenting and we didn't get to see like all these personalities and attitudes and the way they're learning and how they take in information when you're a parent sometimes you just take all that for granted and when you're a grandparent you don't yeah having raised your family at such a young age how do you feel that it's possibly benefited you I, i i'm glad it's 50 50 half of me is glad that we we had a family at a young age because mm-hmm. i think of all the energy that we used and uh and what it took out of us and i couldn't imagine doing that in my later years yeah. not to that degree <laughs> yeah but but intellectually and and emotionally i do see a big advantage of waiting a little bit later i think there's a i think a good age myself personal i think a good age is like 28 28 okay. 30 okay. you yeah. know so so you know i that's now looking back i feel that that would have been great emotionally and yeah and you know in uh in having the maturity we were young parents and what benefits that come with that you know maybe in 10 more years we'll look back and say these were the benefits yeah that we can at least be thankful for. But what we had on our side was we had a support system in Nana Alice. She was the biggest support system we had. She trained us for so many things. She helped us understand so many things. She was was such a good coach in our life. Yeah, yeah. That without her to sit down and sometimes had to, okay, you two need to sit down. I need to talk to you about this. Wow. If she hadn't done that, who would have done that with us? Yeah. You know, if whatever you see on those teenage moms <laughs> and dads, that's exactly what me and daddy were going through. Yeah. You know, and we were young with young people's thinking and immaturity with a baby. Yeah. You know, one thing for sure is we were both very protective of our baby, but... You know, but with with the certain amount of immaturity that comes with our age. So, Mm -hmm. but Nana Alice was always there to support us and talk to us and bring to our attention things we needed to know and things we were doing, you know. So, she really helped us out a lot. What I appreciate about her is she she didn't do it over the top. She never came across like, I've got to get in your business and like it or not. She still was very tactful in how she did it. But when it came to that, she knew, you know, uh, she knew uh, how to be tactful. You know, and we just hope that we can build a bond with our children and our grandchildren. So they always know we're here for you, you know, and you don't need to walk through this life alone because me and daddy certainly didn't. You know, when you and Dess's were like under five years old and there was a lot of things, Bobby, that you kind of flew under the radar with even with like learning whatever learning things you had to know before kinder and all this because we we have to remember Destis went to she went to head start when you started kinder so she went in the morning to a head start class which was only like three and a half hours and then you went to kinder which was about you know four or five hours so no one noticed all the abilities you didn't have for Kinder because you were learning them in Head Start first with Odessa. Yeah. Before you went to your class. 
anything Bobby did, Texas did too. Yeah. Yeah. I said he used to get so frustrated because he would always tell me what he was going to do. I'm going to jump off the deck and I'm going to grab onto the tree branch and I'm going to swing and then I'm going to, you know, I'm going to land. Okay. And Des was like, I'm going to do it too. <laughs> and I thought it was cute. Like, oh, she wants to do what her brother would do. But then she would do it. <laughs> and I was like, oh, good. She could do it yeah. too. <laughs> and she was better at, at it than I was. <laughs> <laughs> and you would get so frustrated. Like, I don't want my sister doing anything I'm doing. But yeah. she was always right behind you for so long. Yeah, how can you not be impressed that you both raised five children? Well, I love you guys. I'm so glad that I got to talk with you. Oh, it was good to talk to you, Bobby. Yeah, me. Oh, we love you. We, we, love, we love you too. You guys have a good evening, okay? Okay, Bobby. It's just like Well, folks, we're glad that you were able to join us as we took a walk down memory lane with our parents. Stay tuned next week for another Edge of Your Seat show that's guaranteed to entertain. Until then, we love you. Sayonara, goodbye, adios, and stay tuned for a really wonderful show by the name of High Tech Soul that is hosted by a wonderful man by the name of Leo. So, goodbye. Bye.